when is enough enough? 100,000 followers, 200,000 followers, a million followers. What is the aim? And that's where we have, that's the yoga of going back to what is the intention? Welcome to Radically Loved Radio. I am your host, Rosie Acosta, yoga teacher and teacher trainer, mindfulness coach, speaker, and creative writer. I am also the founder of radicallyloved.com, a website where you can go for more information about yoga, mindfulness, meditation, and lifestyle advice. On this podcast, we talk to people within our health and wellness community that are creating content through the ritualistic practice of yoga, meditation, or overall mindful living. We hope to create value in your life so that you can achieve your highest potential and live a radically loved life. To stay in touch with us, just follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Rosie Acosta and on Facebook at Radically Loved Rosie. You can sign up for our newsletter on radicallyloved.com to stay up to date on future workshops, retreats, and latest podcasts. Hey listeners, our skin is the human body's largest organ. And if you're anything like me, then you pay very close attention to anything that goes on it. I was so excited when I heard that Four Sigmatic was coming out with the skincare product line and that it was actually going to be edible, vegan, and cruelty-free. They're introducing their very first mushroom face mask and tonic plus superfood serum. I've been using it now for a month and a half and have noticed such a drastic difference in my skin complexion. This is the first purifying face mask that doubles as an adaptogen tonic and a serum that's also a wellness supplement. So now treat your skin to the everyday magic of vegan and cruelty-free edible skincare with no fillers, plastics, or chemicals. For more information, go to foursigmatic.com. And if you're interested in trying the product, don't forget to use our promo code radically loved. Again, go to foursigmatic.com and type the code radically loved at checkout so that you can get a special discount on all the Four Sigmatic products. And now back to our show. First of all, I'm so excited that you're here, by mm. the way. We've been Thank to make you. I know. I'm so, I'm so grateful. And it's, it's interesting because you were, you were on my, um, my list of people. I have like a list of 50 people that I'm like, I really want to interview all these people. And so you were on there. Oh, I love that. And, um, I was introduced to you virtually via Tommy Rosen's uh-huh. recovery 2.0 conference yeah. that he did. And I was like, who is this? She's awesome. And then, Aww. you know, I looked into all of your work and I was like, wow, she's the real deal, mm. which is Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I'm really excited to have our audience hear about you and your knowledge and, you know, the work that you're doing, because I think it's so needed right now, (laughs) like major, you know, um, one of the biggest things that I find, um, that people struggle with the most is their lack of connection to not only other people, especially in the state of the world as we are, but Mm -hmm. with themselves, right? And I feel like that's why yoga is such a great medium for us to um, communicate these things through because it's such an inclusive practice and, well, it's supposed to be, right? Mm -hmm. It's supposed to be. um, And also a holistic practice. Um, 
But one of the things selfishly I wanted to ask you about is <laughs> take advantage. Um, I feel like, you know, we're in the new year. It's uh, earlier on in the year. And I don't know when this is going to come out. So I'm like, <laughs> to say exactly what date it is. But I feel like in the last couple of months, there's been this like heaviness that I've mm. noticed. Mm with regard to um, just our our community and maybe even our personally, I mean, I guess I can only speak to myself with my personal relationship to the way that I'm connecting to my community, I would say in specific through social media. Mm-hmm. You know, we just, act, before we started recording, we were talking about this, this taking a break thing. Um, and how that was really nice and how mm-hmm. it's it's affected maybe your your life. For sure. And um, for me, I noticed that when I do take some time off, it's it's quite nice. You but, feel a little better in a certain yeah, way. Yeah. yeah. But I do I do sense that I've been feeling like the people I've been talking to lately, like friends or people in the community, there's been this like lull of just mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. People that people are a little weary of social media, you're feeling, or just I think that people are just maybe starting to see the effects of it yeah, in their life. Definitely. You know? Definitely. Like the the FOMO is real. Yeah. Right? No, it's I mean, I think there's actually a a diagnostic, like there's a name for it now. I don't know, but I, I've heard that in the psychological world, it's certainly showing up in my office. You know, I'm a licensed psychotherapist as well as a yoga teacher. And so I do have the benefit of dropping really deeply in with people one-on-one and every single person that comes into my office or that I work with, you know, virtually on Zoom or Skype struggles with it. I mean, the FOMO is real. And it's a complicated issue. It's a very relevant one. And it's something that I think we all need to be talking about a little bit more from the perspective of how is this affecting our brains? How is this affecting our psyche? How is this affecting our lifestyle? Um, I think how is this going to affect us sociologically moving forward? And, you know, as as anything, it's a double-edged sword. There's so many benefits. Like we connected, I've connected with so many of my really good friends online. I run my business virtually. I, I would say many, if not even most of the people that end up coming to my trainings have found me or at least have gotten to know me through the internet and social media and um, podcasts like this. And so there's an amazing opportunity there and it really has democratized you know, everything, information, you know, these wisdom teachings, so many people around the world have access to them that didn't even 10, 20, 15 years ago. Um, And it really has a very uh, strong repercussion in our psyches. And I think we have to be very vigilant and take, you know, that's where we have to be come, I always say like samurais in our own mind, you know, like ninjas to get very clear about our own boundaries. And so recently, you, as you and I were just talking, I really spontaneously and unintentionally just went off Instagram for two months and Facebook. And I made one post in the middle of it and was like, oh, I'm back. I've been away for a month. And then I couldn't make another post for another month. I just, 
I was just in my life, you know, I was just living my life. And I, I had just come off a big online launch, which was amazing. And my father is struggling with cancer right now. And I was with my family over the holidays. And I just was so not interested in getting online and picking up my phone and creating a post or writing a caption. And I really let myself go into that and explore like, this is interesting. This is just, and I would watch myself every day to the point where at one point I was like, after a month, like I probably should, you know, in parentheses, like I probably should get back on or quotation marks, get back online. And then I kept saying like, what's the should, you know, you should do whatever you feel like you should do. And right now I feel like I don't want to be online. So I'm not going to be online. And it was so refreshing and it really helped me put, push a reset button and, and look a little more closely at my relationship to social media and how much of the time of my time during the day I'm using on it or where do I get sucked in? And when I get sucked in, what do I get sucked into? And is that a healthy pattern or is that an unhealthy pattern? Mm -hmm. And for the most part, I would say it's somewhat of an unhealthy pattern (laughs) where I get sucked in is going down the rabbit holes of people that I feel like I'm jealous of, or, you know, I should look like this, or I should have that, or this, I should have this success or that in my life. And, it's all, it's all projection anyway. Yeah. So that's the psychology of it where we really have to dig in and do the shadow work of owning it ourselves. Mm-hmm. But it's a shift in our culture. It's a shift in society. And we have to become, we have to stay very vigilant yeah. with it. How do you think we can, we can do that in a way that's sustainable where, you know, maybe the people listening have that same relationship, but they, they can't imagine what balance looks like because mm-hmm. it's either I'm on it or I'm not on it. Yeah. Right. Well, I think, you know, what you're, what you're bringing up, which I think is really important is we're essentially talking about addiction and addictive patterns and compulsion. And so when I was off social media for like two months, I would go on and I would look, but I just didn't post at all. And then you know, we're coming off of the new year. And so of course I was doing a lot of reflection on all habits in my life and all the things in my life that I want to see shift and becoming much more mindful and really doing a cleanse from, you know, food and alcohol and other activities and binge watching TV. And these are all the things that I'm clearing right now, including social media. And so when I've when you, one of the benefits of doing any kind of a cleanse or a digital detox is you go back to zero and then you see what that is to not have that in your system. And then when you start to titrate, it's a psychological term of like dipping your toe back in, going back into that behavior or seeing how does this food affect me or how does this alcohol affect me or how does this binge watching TV or social media really, what are the results? What are, what's the effect of it? It gives you a more neutral discerning palette to be able to observe the effects of the behavior. So I myself have been watching it. And what I've watched, again, as you said, I can only speak for myself, but I think it's important that we learn how to draw the boundaries that feel good for us. And it's going to be different for everyone. So one thing for me, it does feel good to offer and go back to the basics of what's my intention with posting something. And that's a really important filter to use. What's my intention? My intention is I want to add value. Sometimes it's humor. 
I'm not the wittiest person in the world, but it's not my forte. But, you know, sometimes it's humor. Sometimes it's information. Sometimes it's, um, you know, a quote that's inspiring. So inspiration, education. um, Sometimes it's building community and really opening a conversation and wanting to have a dialogue. But it's not just me wanting to show me in a yoga pose or me wanting to sort of brag about something in my life or also or give a false projection yeah. of what my life looks like yeah. because so many of the feeds that we're seeing are highly curated and there's nothing wrong with that. There's a whole art. I'm a very visual aesthetic person. So I appreciate beauty and I appreciate beautiful feeds and I'm trying to refine my own feed. So it looks, you know, there's a cohesion and a journey that you take people on, but we have to get really careful because it's, it's just, like we are now inheriting that photoshopped, you know, sort of I think of where I grew up in the 70s and 80s and 90s with these hyper Photoshop, you know, supermodels. And it's still happening, but to a lesser degree, I think media is beginning to shift. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we see some of that on social media, but we're also contributing to that. Yeah. And so we have to ask ourselves, you know, when I go in and want to touch up a little photo, What's the intention behind that? Yeah. Because then I'm contributing to, to the entire machine. Yeah. And projecting that, oh, I'm, you know, 40 and I don't have wrinkles. No, I do have wrinkles. You know, so it's it's a it's a delicate conversation, but we all have to come into our own boundaries and establish our own boundaries. So one thing for myself is if I'm around, you know, if I'm gonna be spending time with people I love, I wanna make sure I'm really present. I don't want to be looking at my phone. Or I'm going to set a time limit. Like even this morning, I knew I wanted to go in and read a certain post and I wanted to check in on this conversation. But I said to myself, you have five minutes and that's it. You're not getting sucked into 30 minutes down the rabbit hole, which usually happens. And then 40 minutes later, you're like, oh, I'm still not working. And Mm -hmm. I'm still, I don't even remember what I got on here for in the first place. Yeah. So I try to become very intentional and go in and set boundaries and say, no, literally you have five minutes or you have 10 minutes or you're going to create one post today. You're going to post, you're going to keep watching it and engaging for 20 or 30 minutes with the comments. And then you're going to put it down and do something else. Because it can be not only a time and energy suck, but it really can be a drain on our unconscious. If we are attached, you know, that's where you have to become the samurai or the ninja and observe, am I, how much value am I placing on likes or comments or, you know, I had a post the other day that had, you know, thousands of likes and then the next one was only a hundred and I'm thinking, oh my God, what's wrong with that? What did I do? You know? And it's just let it go. Let it come and go. That's the yoga of it. Yeah. You know, that's the non-attachment. It's mm-hmm. the the offering up. We do our work. We put ourselves out there. And we, we really can't have attachment to the results. Yeah. And it's very difficult. Yeah. <laughs> and for me, it's very difficult. Oh, God. It's, it's difficult for me, too. And I, I think that my, because I'm an extremist. Yeah. So I'm like, I either do it or I don't. Yeah. And... There have been times where I, I was just doing an interview for another, uh, another podcast, and we were talking about this whole um, our addiction to busyness mm-hmm. and how addicted we are to yeah. having something to do or having something planned or mm-hmm. just being busy. 
And I was thinking we, you know, this conversation about social media came up and I was like, you know, there's been several times where I've felt the desire to just delete it all and just say, you yeah. know, what? I'm, I'm just, I'm going to see what this is like. Yeah. And the reason why I brought that up was because I had a conversation, um, a couple, a couple of weeks ago, um, right, right before the holidays, actually with one of my students who said was having this issue with, um, being depressed and mm -hmm. going through a recent breakup and, you know, her wanting to share her story, but then resenting the fact that she has to be able to put it in the public in order for people to, uh, to, to not validate her, but to give her that, um, um, understanding or that, that level of empathy that maybe she was looking mm. for. Mm -hmm. And what she said was, she said, you know, if you're not on social media, it's like, you don't exist. Wow. Right. And wow. I was like, no, <laughs> like that is not true. Yeah. And I'm like that. And it could be just a specified thing for her, but I started to really think about that. Yeah. I'm like, okay, well, why did that, why did that trigger me so much? I had such a visceral reaction to just say, that's bullshit. Like, don't believe that. That's absolutely not true. Yeah. There are so many people that I know that aren't on this platform that have beautiful, fulfilling, oh, happy, yeah. healthy lives that, you know, that this, this just isn't part of their, I mean, like uh, for us, we didn't grow up with it. Yeah. And in fact, I'm really grateful that we so did, grateful, right? so grateful, so grateful so, every day. <laughs> so I think, you know, with, with what you're saying is this idea of how, of understanding what your intention is and what you're wanting to, um, receive from this and also, um, how you're being of service to your community, mm -hmm. which I find that's what I love about social media the most that and sharing, obviously like my dogs and mm -hmm. like, you know, the people that I love, I think it's, it's great, you know, but I also feel that there's this, there's this undercurrent of, of dissatisfaction with what you have, but I think it's yeah. just always been the thing with marketing that's what marketing's yeah it's been yeah it is a, it is a bigger conversation for sure I think go ahead finish your point no I, I mean I think that that's just part of this the machine that mm -hmm. that is our society mm -hmm. you know and I feel like a lot of the times when we're so bombarded with the lack the lack 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 that you have yeah those are the times when we're able to seek something more and that you might come to a practice like meditation or yoga because you're you're looking for that fulfillment you're mm -hmm. looking for that that um those answers right you, yeah. you turn into seekers so for me I'm like well it's great if that's what it can be a doorway for right. sure but I don't know that I don't know if if that's that's right like well I think what you're speaking to is a bigger psychological issue I mean one of the things that I've been playing with and again we're just coming off the new year and so I'm watching all of this momentum around striving essentially striving for more striving for better that oh this is the year I'm going to lose 10 pounds or I'm going to you know I should have a million dollars I saw this oh, oh, I was so triggered today it was a Facebook ad I think it was Facebook and um, maybe it was YouTube anyway some ad came on, it was video and it was about money and it, it was probably some business coach trying to, you know, get people to come and do their system. But it was saying, if you're not, 
if you don't if you're not a multimillionaire right now then you're not doing it right you're not trying hard you're not and she's like multimillionaire like what are we you know he's talking about retirement and if you don't have you know saying most millionaires have seven streams of income and on and on and on and I was just like wow when is enough enough you know and with social media I mean it's so again there's so many benefits and it's so great and the community is astounding it's amazing how we come together around the world it's so great and I'm so grateful for it and when is enough enough 100,000 followers 200,000 followers a million followers what is the aim and that's where we have that's the yoga of going back to what is the intention sankalpa and we're playing into this not enoughness, not having enough, not doing enough, not being enough. And what if we switch the whole dialogue? Like even around New Year's, what if we switch the dialogue to in the yoga practice, you know, one of the one of the yamas niyamas of contentment, santosha, and aparigraha, non-greediness, of really instead putting all that energy that we're putting on the FOMO, what if we could take that energy and redistribute it to practicing contentment and practicing non-striving. I don't actually need more. I really don't. Why do I need a bigger house? Why do I need to make more money? One of my friends um, and colleagues, Alexis Neely, uh, incredible business and money coach and out of Boulder, and her whole system, she calls it the money map to freedom, and instead of thinking about some arbitrary number that you think you want to make or get or save or, you know, um, it's looking at your lifestyle and what's the minimum you need to live off of and still save money, of course, and invest and, you know, build up your nest egg. But what's the minimum amount? And let's go with that, you know, because it sets us up for it's never enough. Mm-hmm. There's never enough. Yeah. And it's a sickness of yeah. our culture and of humanity. And you do go to other cultures and see that they don't have that. Other countries aren't wired quite in the same way. Hopefully we can preserve some of that and reclaim some of that in our society. Yeah. We have to ask. So, again, if you go back to social media and ask, why am I showing up here? And what if I show up in service? Mm-hmm. What if I show up instead of, doing some strategy to just try to get and manipulate more followers and likes. Mm -hmm. What if I show up with the purest intention of, I want to offer more value. I want to hold a space or create a space online where people feel seen, heard, safe, whatever it is for you. And you, when you post, and even when you're looking at other people's stuff and you're, you know, are you actually giving a like? Are you giving them a comment? Like, are you adding value? Are you contributing? Yeah. Or are you just on there selfishly trying to consume? Yeah. And it goes right into the heart of the challenge that we're in in a global crisis of this conspicuous consumption. And that we're just voraciously, it's the, these hungry ghosts just consuming, consuming information, you know, social media and you can't, it's feeding the beast. Yeah. And it's an insatiable hunger. Yeah. And so we have to switch the whole game. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. I love that you're saying that because I, I totally agree. And, you know, sometimes I don't, I don't have the right vernacular for that, but mm-hmm. that's exactly what it feels like. It just feels like going back to your point, this addiction that we had, that's just, we're not satiated. It's never enough. Exactly. Exactly. 
taking, we're takers. Takers, taking, taking, that's taking, it. Taking, taking. And I feel like for me with m- the younger generation, millennials, you know, depending on what, and I don't even know, like I had this whole like non sequitur conversation with somebody mm-hmm. about what a millennial was and like what year, whatever. It's like right. the younger generation with um, what kind of values are we in setting in for them? Yeah. What kind of values are we showing them yeah. with regard to the work that needs to happen, the intention that needs to go into it, the, um, the grunt work that you need to do in order to achieve what you want to achieve and in order for you to feel that fulfillment, that satiation in your life. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, this is kind of a, 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 just to shift the topic a little bit. Yeah. Um, I'm curious what your feeling is as a licensed psychotherapist with the surge of um, life coaches that have come, Mm. that have come up because I feel like everybody's Mm -hmm. a coach now. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this is, it's that sort of self-made, like that thing that you're talking about. It's like, Oh, make a million dollars. Or if you're, you're not successful unless you're doing this and now I'm going to make you a better life. And Mm -hmm. you know, the, the sort of uh, facade that people are selling. um, Yeah. What's your, I always look at it because from, from my perspective, it's like, I've done my training and schooling, but I always still have this very, um, I have this reverence for people that have, you know, gone through schooling mm-hmm. to, to do something in a professional way. Mm-hmm. It's just like when somebody gets a yoga certification on online after yeah. the weekend, I'm like, eh, I don't know how I yeah. feel about that. To me, that's just yeah. like you know, I did it old school, you know, like when you actually had to go and complete a 200 hour training with your teacher, you know, it took years, you know, um, I know I'm rambling, but you know, you know, you're not rambling. (laughs) I think maybe you guys just heard my big sigh. Um, it's, it's a product of our time. I think that it's not, necessarily okay first of all to answer your question about coaches you know I I can't speak in you know sort of macro terms yeah or just everything is not created equal right there are definitely some coaching programs out there that are incredibly in-depth and I, I, I also think that there are a lot of coaching programs that probably aren't like you're saying with yoga certification online I think it's tricky and I think it's actually, it's a little, there's, dangerous is a strong word, but I don't think it's, I think it, yeah, I think it, I think it could be dangerous because I think that what people don't realize, and this is something because I debated, am I going to get licensed as a psychotherapist or I can just be a coach? I have all these friends and peers that are coaching and they're charging gazillions of dollars and they never went to school for psychotherapy and they certainly never went through the process of 3000 hours as an intern and then getting licensed. And if I hadn't gone the route of getting licensed, I think I might have a different perspective, but having gone through the process, which for me took 10 years, which, you know, I was slow because I had a whole full-time yoga career and was building in the psychology, you know, psychotherapy on the side or not on the side, but part as part of it. And um, the the traineeship process and the intern process, 
was grueling. 3,000 hours is a lot of hours to sit with clients and be um, supervised. Every 10 hours that you're with clients, you go at least one hour to your supervisor and, and talk about the cases and case management and treatment plans. And then going through the process of actually taking the exams was even more grueling. I mean, it was by far the hardest thing I've ever done. And I'm actually a really good student, but I didn't even pass one of the exams. And I was mortified because I've always been so identified with being a straight-A student, you know. And, and then I didn't pass one of the exams. You can laugh. She's laughing out. <laughs> no, it was like cra- I was totally no, I traumatized. No, because I, I, I feel for you, you know. Oh, my I, God. It was, yes. no, it was quite a story. I was in the middle of the four-hour exam and the electricity went out in the building and they lost. They said, you can either, what was it? You can either keep going. It was out for like a half an hour. It was totally disruptive. It was totally traumatizing. Anyway, the point is I didn't pass that exam. And then I had to go back and take it again. So we, you know, study another six months, take it again. But what happened in that learning is that these principles were embedded. And one of the biggest things when you get licensed as a psychotherapist, one of the greatest emphasis is on your ethical responsibilities. Of course, your legal responsibilities, your legal and ethical responsibilities. And to understand the nature of psyche, the unconscious, psychodynamics, what happens when clients are projecting their unconscious, we have to understand because it can be harmful. You can get yourself into situations that can be damaging for you, but they certainly can be damaging for a client. And I think what's a little bit concerned, not a little, but concerning to me about coaching is that most coaches that I don't, that I know don't have that level of psychological understanding. And so you could be, whether it's opening old wounds, re-triggering or re-traumatizing someone, trying to just push them past in, in sort of this, you know, sugar coating or uh, uh, sort of that coddling. coddling, but also like hyperactive, like just go for it, make this plan, make your goals. What people don't understand is there's a reason why people aren't have such a challenge changing behaviors because there's an unconscious block. It's unconscious. It's not conscious. You can't just have a conscious conversation with someone and say, oh, okay, let's identify A, B, and C, and here's where you need to go, and here's the roadmap, go. Sometimes it works. A lot of times it doesn't. And the reason it doesn't work is because things are in the unconscious. And as Carl Jung said, which is one of my favorite quotes, he said, the thing about the unconscious is that it's unconscious. You don't know that that's the block. You don't know what's going on underneath of there. So there's a lot of other tools and ways. I'm not, you know, many coaching systems do get to that, you know, ones that I'm familiar with do, but a lot don't. And I also just think that really, again, it goes back to what's the aim. Because what I'm seeing, which you were mentioning in your original question about coaching is this emphasis on achieving, acquiring, goal-oriented. And that's fine. That's a very patriarchal model of what we're aiming for in life. Are we aiming for achievement and acquiring? Or are we aiming for consciousness, evolution, and integration, and wholeness? That's a different, that's a different direction. Not that they can't coincide, hopefully they do, but 
Um, it's not, yeah, I think, you know, I see just, and, and that's another thing is that everyone sort of becoming a coach. And I think there's a lot of yoga teachers that it's a good fit. It's a natural fit. One of the reasons I developed my yoga psyche soul training actually was one of the core intentions of it is to train yoga teachers, body workers, physical therapists, whomever to understand psychological principles, to be able to integrate more psychological tools and material with their clients. Not that they have to become therapists, but to at least have a solid working knowledge of shadow work, of working with the unconscious of psychodynamics. Which I think is such a great supplement to any yeah. anyone, either if you're a psychotherapist yeah. or yeah. a yoga teacher. Like it, it, I think it's such a great, when I was researching and I was looking into it, I'm like, oh my God, I want to do this. Like yeah. it's such a great, because I'm always wanting to learn. And I think it's so important to address those, those components as, um, as teachers and mm-hmm. just as students. You know, I think it's always really great to be able to learn from, people that have done the work, you know, yeah. this is, this is the one thing that I always, uh, have this, um, this be, because I'm such a proponent of doing the work of putting in the time of being an apprentice, of being mm-hmm. able to learn for a long period, over a long period, long of, time, period of time. It's, know? it's endless really Our you know, to be a good teacher, we have to be an endless student. We're always learning. And, and one of the, you know, taglines of my training is you can only take other people as far as you yourself have gone. Yeah. And this is something that I see as a trend uh, in the last, you know, 10 years and, and particularly in the yoga world, but probably in many other industries that it's like, what's the shortcut? There is no shortcut. We, li- we learn by living. Like, let me get there faster. Let me just do this. Oh, I'm going to, like you said, do an online training. But wh- my question would be why? Actually, why do you just want to do an online training? Or why do you want to get certified in two weeks? Why don't you want to take two years? Honestly, it's it's a legitimate question. Yeah. Actually, the richness and the wisdom. See, knowledge is knowledge. It's different than wisdom. Wisdom is knowledge that's embodied that you've lived, that you, it comes through your essence by osmosis. And that's how we learn to teach by transmission because it's who we are. It's, it's how we're living our lives. That takes time. You know, we have to go through our own rites of passage and our own initiations and there's no rush. And it kind of goes back to, you know, I was reading recently this article on 13 hallmarks of white supremacy. And white supremacy, meaning the patriarchal sort of lineage that we're all living under in the Western world, for the most part, and certainly in the United States. Um, But one of the values, it's basically talking about what are the values of our society? The values of our society are more is better and faster is best. And that is not true. And that's when we get to the yoga of what are we really doing? Why do you want more? And why do you want it faster? Because I guarantee you, when you get more, and if you get it faster, it definitely doesn't mean you're going to be happier. It definitely doesn't mean you're going to be happier. In fact, in fact, you're probably going to be, now you're going to be dealing with even a greater imposter syndrome. Yeah. And feeling 
you know, less, yeah, yeah. insecure yeah. on the inside because you're not really embodying it and living it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. I think it takes time to feel the confidence and the embodiment of whatever craft or skill or information that you're trying to master. I yeah. think it's just, I, it's, it's a, I don't want to say it's a dying art, but I feel the, the desire for that long term mm-hmm. is um is not really present at the moment. Yeah, I think, you know, again, it's I do think that there's a sociological, you know, there's a shift with technology. Technology goes so fast. And yeah. if you look at the pace of nature, you know, versus the pace of technology, even though of course this is all evolution and it's all part of the same dance. Mm-hmm. But there's no rush in nature. You know, I love this quote. I don't even know. I think so. I think I just heard it in a yoga class one time. I have no idea where or who said it. But I was in a yoga class and one of the teachers said, if you're trying to get somewhere, ask yourself, what do you think you're going to find when you get there? Like, really, what do you... And it, for me, was just such a light bulb. What do I really think I'm going to find on the other side of that? whether it's a certification or a million dollars or a soulmate or a baby or a new house, what is the feeling that you're seeking? Now practice being that feeling here now with this. You know, that's the real art of it. Yeah, I love that. Hello, listeners. Uh, as many of you know, I am a yoga teacher, which means I like to wear a lot of stretchy pants and things that are, things that are comfy and actually look good and that fit my curves right. And so, you know, when we shop for things that we like to wear out, for me, I like to look for two things. Number one, affordability. And number two, it has to be of good quality. So I'm not sure about you guys, but when I slip into a comfy pair of yoga pants or a nice top, I want to actually feel like it fits my body and I don't want it to feel like I'm sausaging myself (laughs) into something. I know that's a little bit TMI, but it happens sometimes. With that being said, I'm super excited to partner with a company founded by the beautiful Kate Hudson. Fabletics is a fashion-focused activewear brand with the mission to empower women by making a healthy, active lifestyle accessible to everyone because of their exceptional price point. No matter if you're ready to zen out in a yoga class or go to a spin class or take a stroll in the park, Fabletics has you covered and carries gym wear suitable for any type of workout. Fabletics is your one-stop shop for affordability gym wear and all of their designs are created in-house. Trust me, you seriously can't find these pieces anywhere else. So before I forget, Fabletics is offering all of you an incredible deal so you don't want to miss the get two leggings for $24 at $99 value when you sign up for a VIP. So all you have to do is go to fabletics.com forward slash Rosie, R-O-S-I-E, to take advantage of this deal now. So that's fabletics.com forward slash Rosie to get two leggings for $24 and also free shipping in orders over $49. International shipping is available and there is absolutely no commitment when you purchase your first order. So go to fabletics.com forward slash Rosie or you can go to the show notes for this episode and click the link directly. And now back to our show. Oh my 
goodness. <laughs> yeah. We talk about all of these different things. Uh, I have a couple of questions yeah. for you. It's like time just Yeah, flies. I know. So Sorry, gonna... I'm going off no, on no, tangents no. too. We got to do a part two. I already know it. So, <laughs> um, I think that, you know what, I want to just go back to, um, back to you and, and sort of what your passion is and what you're bringing to the world. And I'm curious with, everything that you've learned and where you're at and you've had a yoga career for a very successful long yoga career. Um, I'm curious with, I'm curious as to hear from you what your intention and what your focus is now. Mm. Great question. Thank you. Um, my intention, my intention on a personal level is to create more spaciousness and not get so caught up in this hamster wheel of, you know, trying to achieve next level, another launch. And I love those things and I am ambitious and I have a lot of drive and natural energy. And so those all like, it's a fit, but for me, it also, in the last, you know, I'd say year, but definitely really in an acute way in the last six months, I've just been focused on creating more space. It was part of me taking the social media detox. I was like, I just, I just want to hang out with my family. I just want to slow it down. I don't want to feel the pressure or the push, the rush. And again, we always have to take responsibility for how it's showing up within us. So, you know, I take ownership of that, but, um, creating more space and not being so busy mm. and having time to just hang out with friends. So that's on a personal level. On a professional level, my real intention is to offer very practical and accessible and authentic tools, a wide range of tools to simply help people live more skillfully. I was going to say be happier, but be happier isn't really the aim because things happen in our lives. You know, we're all going to deal with death and heartbreak and grief. And so I do think it puts a little bit, it's like a pressure of our society, this positivity prejudice. Right. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So good. It's a uh, beautiful moment. I know. Would say. Po positivity prejudice is not the aim. You know, our aim is not to be happy. Our aim is to to be as present and mindful and embracing of life as it arises, to stay conscious, to stay awake, to know what tools and skills and how where to turn when things come up. And that's self-knowledge, that's self-inquiry, that's um, knowing what your tendencies are, if you have tendencies towards whether it's depression or anger or anxiety or you know social media addiction and feeling insecure knowing what your triggers are and then knowing how what the anecdote to that is. So I want to really offer tools that are accessible for people and essentially in a nutshell, help people integrate the unconscious. Um, it sounds a little, you know, overwhelming in a certain way, but just help people, you know, be more emotionally intelligent, master the nature of their minds and be embodied in a way that feels really good and then cultivate a spiritual connection. Mm -hmm. So it's really, you know, there's, it's all four levels. It's a very holistic way, but helping people live more skillfully. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I just want to point out to everybody that it wasn't just like a one word answer that you just gave that it's, it's definitely more, um, 
multifaceted. Yeah, I just don't think I think it's holistic. You can never just look at one one aspect. Mm-hmm. You can't, you know, in the yoga model, we, we're there's five layers, the koshas. So we have the physical body, anamaya kosha, we have the energetic pranic body, we have the mental emotional body, we have the wisdom body and the spiritual body, and you have to address all of them. And and they all affect each other. So if you start working on the mental emotional realm, which is you know, traditional psychology or psychotherapy typically focuses there. It's going to affect how you show up in your body or, you know, your spiritual nature. If you start working on your spiritual connection, it's going to affect the other. So that's a great thing is you can affect change on one level and you're going to feel it ripple through the whole system. Yeah. Yeah. So some people focus in just one area and my work, you know, it's the nature of yoga is that it's multidimensional. Yeah. And we're working with the whole being. Yeah. Thank you for mm-hmm. that. That's beautiful. I love that. Um, so I have a couple more questions yes. um, just before we we wrap up, trying to be mindful of the time. It's like my internal clock is like the clock mm-hmm. is ticking. Mm-hmm. Um, so these next couple of questions are like rapid fire. So you just say the first thing that comes to your mind. What is freedom? Mm. Freedom is such a great question. Freedom is, I think freedom is being content, being yourself, being, feeling free and in your own skin and liberated to act, you know, in the most authentic way in integrity. Of course, it's not, you know, taking advantage of other people, but it's really ultimate freedom comes from the mind. Ultimate freedom is, again, being that samurai or ninja and mastering the compulsions, the nature of our mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is love? Love is a verb. <laughs> love is a verb. Love is how do you show up? How do you act? How do you really presence love? I think that you know, my aim is definitely unconditional love and it's very difficult. You know, it's very difficult when I, I see it in, you know, where I see it show up probably the most is with my partner and like all the things that I wish were different or he showed up differently. And it's just like, really? Because how would you want to be loved? You just want all, all any of us want is to be loved for exactly who we are. All the good, the bad, the beautiful, the ugly, all the faults, all the magic, you know? Just practice loving people for who they are and practice loving yourself for who you are. Yeah, I love that. Why do you think yoga played such a huge role in your life and in your destiny? Mm. I feel so blessed. I am just endlessly indebted to this path of yoga and particularly my friend Govindas who introduced me to yoga. Govindas is a very dear friend. He owns Bhakti Yoga Shala here in Santa Monica and he introduced me to yoga in 1997. And yoga, as so many people say, changed my life. You know, I, the way I would say it is yoga gave me back myself. It really led me back to myself. And I'm talking about true self, capital S the essence of who I am, my soul. And I had really lost it. I was in a very 
very difficult place. I was like 21 and um, depressed and really insecure and yoga healed me from the inside and it took a while. It was probably a couple years of a real deep excavation and alchemy, but it brought me back to the light, you know, not to be too esoteric, but it brought me back to this feeling of who I always knew myself as a child. I, I was really blessed. I had a beautiful, amazing childhood and I was really confident. And, um, and then I lost that through a series of different experiences that just stripped me of my sense of self. And so I got back to that and, and then, um, brought me to a life of service. So it's, it's just an endless, it is like that thousand petaled Lotus. That's just continuing to evolve and, change and unfold our lives and wake up to the magic and the awe that's all around us mm. and within us is us <laughs> what advice would you give to your teenage self mm. it's so funny i was where was i th- i don't know because i was my sister i have an identical twin sister which is yeah yeah it's amazing. That's so cool. I know. It's amazing. She's amazing. She is so badass. Those my other sister were all just like really close. But um, anyway, I don't know if it was with my identical twin sister or my mom. I feel like someone maybe was over the holidays was like sharing a story. And I was just like, wow, I was such a cheeky. I'm such a cheeky girl. Like, <laughs> the things I did. But my teenage self, I think. That's true. It's just like wow. I have I have More a ball later. <laughs> I'm ballsy. <laughs> um, you know, when I was 18, I really had an experience where I was in. I, I had sort of this mass rejection, and and again, that's one of the the series of events of just feeling so stripped it was very traumatic and and just feeling stripped of who I was and outcast and completely um everything was was just a huge upheaval and I think to that person of course you know the saying everything happens for a reason but which I do believe is true in a certain sense and that path led me to the depth you know, of my spirit and the depth of me having to get really raw year. It took years, but to rebuild that sense of self from the inside out. Cause up until then I had, you know, at 18, it was kind of this privileged, um, you know, projected image of who I was and, and then going through that rite of passage or that threshold of initiate initiation, I didn't have any legs to stand on. I had to rebuild it from the inside out. And so that's where your empowerment comes from. And it's, it's good to destroy that <laughs> veneer of the ego self mm. so that you come out the other side with what's real. And it's an endless process, of course, but that it's going to be okay and that you're going to create a whole career from that place. Mm. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> what will your 95-year-old self tell you now? That's a great question. That's probably the same thing, you know, probably the same thing. Looking back at me now and all the challenges that I'm going through now and get so twisted up about and, um, 
that just like, oh, it's going to be okay, honey. Yeah. <laughs> just, it's going to be okay. Yeah. I love that. Trust the process. Yeah. A lot of people would give that. And I just, I find it so fascinating, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, I would give the same advice or it's that, that same, like everybody says the same thing, chill out or relax. It's yeah. Gonna be okay. Yeah. You know, we're so hard on ourselves. Yeah. I think if there was one message I would want to get across to everyone, all of you, all of you guys listening, all of you girls listening, um, it's, it's that, you know, we're too hard on ourselves and it's like, and it's like a built in, um, software malfunction and it really needs to be updated. Like that software needs to be updated. It is not okay that we're all running around with this not good enough program I, running. I totally agree. And it's driving most of us. Yeah. I'm not good enough, including myself. I struggle with it every day. For sure. So, you know, let's just get real. We're all struggling with it. It's uniform. It's, it's, you're not special because you don't feel good enough. Most everyone I know, including people that have, you would think are com- have as incredibly successful, have insecurities and we're all, you know, we just don't need to be so in compassion. You know, yeah. as the Dalai Lama said, if you want to, you know, if you want someone to be happy, practice compassion. If you want to be happy practice compassion yeah so we just have to soften our perception of ourselves yeah. and each other and this world yeah it's wildlife wildlife i agree so the one of the final questions i have um for all our guests is with regard to this particular podcast and why i started it and it comes from this place that um I believe that we are radically loved by God, source, baby Krishna, baby Buddha, whatever higher Mm -hmm. power you're understanding that the universe works for us and not against us. Mm -hmm. And that we are all part of this beautiful tapestry that is life. And we're all part of the same humanity from the same human race that we're all uh, radically loved, that that's our innate nature. And so the last Two questions for you are, it's twofold. It's how do you feel radically loved and what do you radically love? I love that. (laughs) Speaking of radically loved, (laughs) I radically love your radically love question. (laughs) (laughs) How do I feel radically loved? Um, mm, I feel radically loved by my family which is such a blessing, such a huge blessing. I'm so grateful for my family, my parents, my sisters, my whole family. So there's radical love there, and we are very blessed, and it's really a wellspring for all of us to draw on. Um, And I feel radically loved by my partner. My man is incredible. He really has taught me a lot about unconditional love because he really loves me for how I show up and he really doesn't try to change me and that's pretty radical (laughs) I have a lot to learn in that department he does not try to change me it's amazing I've I've yeah he's my teacher he's amazing um and what do I radically love uh I radically love nature I radically love life I radically love yoga and this practice and this entire community and and all the community you know of light workers and people on this planet that, you know, there's so much good in the world and there's so many people that are really 
fighting for it and teaching and offering. And it's incredible to see. And I think that's just to circle it all the way back around. That is the great gift of the internet. It's that we've been able to come together as a people and it's only just beginning in a certain way. And we're all figuring out what it is and creating that. And so my challenge for everyone listening is like, let's contribute to that. Let's contribute to the goodness and be very vigilant about how those connections can pull us apart or divide us, even if it's in our own mind and our own FOMO, yeah. you know, and I radically love nature and I radically love this planet and my teachers I'm so grateful for and my family. Mm-hmm. I love that. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, before we, we're not going to finish talking cause we're going to hang out cause we're at my house. But, um, before we finish, um, this episode, do you mind sharing what, uh, where we can find you, where we can connect with you and if you have anything that we should be looking forward to. Mm, thank you. Well, everything's on my website, ashleyturner.org, ashleyturner.org. And, um, or social media, you can find it all there. So find me on Instagram, ashleyturner1, the number one. And um, what I'm really passionate about is my training, my yoga psyche soul training. And it's a very unique fusion of depth psychology, shadow work, neuroscience, um, with yoga, meditation, mantra, very multidimensional training, but really focused on personal transformation. Because I think that's at the heart of it, that we each have to go in and do our own inner work and work to heal, resolve past traumas, build our emotional intelligence so that we're walking, you know, not walking wounded. We're not just walking through as these, you know, being triggered all the time. We have some uh, skillfulness and that compassion. So the training is really built as both a personal transformation and a professional development program. So you will learn facilitation skills and tools and how to weave, you know, yoga psychology more into clinical practice or coaching or your yoga teaching or just as a person. But the heart of it is the personal work. And I think that's what really sets it apart and the work that we do together. There's a live training. So you can do a 300 hour live teacher training in Venice. You don't have to do it. You could do different modules. You don't have to do it all together. And then there's also an online training, which is amazing. And it's incredible, the community that we're building around the world. And yet there's no there's no substitute for coming together live. You know, we do a sweat lodge in Malibu. We do anger work. We go to the forest. We do a ceremony. It's really beautiful. Yeah. That sounds so awesome. Yeah. I'm excited. And so for those of you listening, if you go to the show notes, all of those links, uh, including uh, the link to the training will be on there. So if you click on the info button, you go to the show notes and you'll get all of Ashley's um, links to everything. And we're so excited to have her here as part of our family mm. and to Uh, help her continue to provide her medicine and value to all of us. Thank you for doing that. And um, yeah, I'm really excited to have another conversation. We can't wait to have you on again. When I start my podcast, which is going to be soon. Yes. Very soon. Be sure to tune in. (laughs) If, If this happens to go live while she's already launched, 
it will also be on the show notes so you have to look um i guess that's it thank you so much i'm so grateful such Yay. such a beauty thank you all so much for listening thank you so much rosie yay and we had tea and everything as per usual guys if you like Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I am so excited to continue to do this. Please share this with your friends. Email us, message us on Instagram at Rosie Acosta or on Twitter at Rosie Acosta. Subscribe on iTunes, write a review. We love doing this, so please help us continue to keep this podcast going. Thanks for listening. Is there something missing in your life? Is there something that you want to do in the world to create an impact but feel that it's overwhelming? So many of us walk through life feeling unsatisfied, overwhelmed, tired, and desperate for a deeper connection, but don't quite know how to achieve the things that we want in life. Join us this spring at the Dunsky Castle in Scotland for seven days of yoga, meditation, and yoga nidra, all focusing on finding your life's purpose. During our time together, we will learn how and when to take action, how to lead from our heart and not our head, how to break up with our inner critic for good, and dive deep into learning about desire and discipline and how this creates a purposeful life. For more information, go to radicallyloved.com or you can message us at info at radicallyloved.com, subject Scotland. We'll see you soon.